Welcome to my podcast. This is David Suisa, and today we're going to explore another very deep subject. What do you do when your parents are getting into their 80s and their 90s, and it's not life like they used to know, and things are difficult, and you don't know whether they should go into an assisted living facility or stay home, and it's a very complicated world. And we have one of the experts in the field today, Sandra Heller, who founded Compassionate Care Solutions in 2006 and knows all about this very emotional field. Sandra, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, you were not in this field before. You, you, know, you and I have talked over the years about how difficult this, this whole world is, you know, as our parents age and there's so many emotional issues involved and financial issues and legal issues. And this is not something that, uh, you know, you've done from the beginning. You used to work at Princess Cruises in PR. Exactly. How do you transition from the cruise industry to this compassionate care industry? What happened? I think I hit the passion world. And I think I decided after raising my kids and deciding what my second career was going to be, I decided that I wanted to go with something that really felt deep to me and personal. And I had just lost my father. And I remembered some of the stories that he told me. And for example, in the 50s, there was, there weren't these wonderful, beautiful, welcoming assisted living communities that look like cruise ships on land. They were convalescent hospitals, which people don't use that word anymore, but they were institutions. So when his father had a stroke in the late 40s, early 50s, they were going to take him away because he couldn't live at home any longer. He needed to be in a nursing home, convalescent hospital. So my father, when the ambulance came, stood by the bed and just literally burst into tears and said, I'm sorry, You can't take my father. I'll stop going to school. I won't go to college. I'll take care of him. He'll be, you know, we'll build an elevator in the home. They happen to have, you know, some means. And we'll get help here. And he was really a trailblazer in that area because people didn't stay at home. And your your grandfather stayed at home? And he stayed at home and lived another 10 years. Wow. He used to carry him on his back down the stairs. He would take him to the racetrack. Uh, They would park there. And, you know, my dad was kind of a wild, crazy guy. But he used to just, he helped him him live till the end of his life. I like your dad, Sandra. You know, it's funny because I was raised in, in Morocco, in Casablanca, and in the Sephardic community that I knew, every pretty much every house had a grandmother or sometimes a grandfather living in the house because if one of the uh, spouses would die and you had one whether it was a widow or widowee there was no homes where we would put our our elderly they just came into our home so it was so common to see a grandmother you know living with her children in the in and usually most of the time in the kitchen, sort of chopping vegetables. Exactly. And I have to say, to this day, there are certain cultures that still are not placing their elderly loved ones in senior living. There is that whole feeling of that, don't send me to the home. 
I'm, you know, to die. Uh, if you put me there, you may as well kill me now. Uh, so it, it's it's unfortunate. However, but it's changing, it's right? Changed. I mean, you can see some of these facilities are pretty amazing. I mean, you see the one, the Leisure World. It's like it's like a club med. Totally, and you know some of the communities now, especially even outside of Los Angeles. I mean, they are going on trips, trips to the casinos, trips to you know theater every day, and all the local ones as well. Uh, they really are making them into social models rather than medical, and they're not giving them their medication in the dining room. They're actually doing it privately in their room, and then they're getting to go off and enjoy, you know, the day. Right, but you have to be able to afford that, and that's not, that's probably a small minority of the elderly who can afford that kind of high-class assisted living facility, correct? Good news is that they come in all shapes, sizes, and price range. Uh, Mm. Honestly, there are some that are low to middle, you know, that are social security plus maybe an extra thousand a month, something very, you know, reasonable that are pretty decent communities. They're just not in Beverly Hills or Westwood. That's kind of zip code attached. There's life beyond Beverly Hills, Westwood and Pico Robertson. Actually, some of those are some of my favorite communities. Which ones? um, You know, like there's one... um, there's one that's in North Hollywood that's owned by these lovely Filipino brothers. They they bought it. They worked very hard for many years, and then they end up buying it. And it's very homey, and people there, they know all the residents. Um, Give me an example, Sandra, of one of the sharpest problems you encounter in your field, whether it's the children who don't know what to do, whether it's the parents who are not recognizing what the real problem is and in denial. Give me an example of some of the problems you have to overcome, confront. I would say the biggest challenge is an uncooperative elderly parent. I mean, for example, if They've got dementia. They've burned down. You know, they're burning the apartment. They've let the water run overnight. You've Uh, seen those examples? Absolutely. How do you know about them? Who calls you? The children. The children, or I'm referred through a doctor or, you know, social worker at the rehab facility or just different different individuals out there. So they call you, they tell you, and what do you do? You go there and see the the person? No, what I do is I talk to the family because... Mm -hmm. The biggest issue is is children spinning their wheels and their heads spinning over the idea of what to do with their parent. I just spoke today to a high-powered PR woman in the entertainment business, super high-powered, and she said, you know, all I want my mom is to have a place with a garden. She doesn't have to be in the fanciest place. We can afford it. But we want her to be in a place where it's, you know, a positive outlook, but she happens to have a mother who um, has Alzheimer's, so it's, I don't want to say easier because there's nothing easy about it. It's a horrific disease, but it's easier to move someone who doesn't really know where they're at anyway. And, uh, but it's really those seniors who say, you know, look, I just, I'm fine. I use the rails in the house. I walk around the couch. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm fine. They don't want care in the home. Some people don't like being hovered over. They don't want care in the home, but then they don't want to leave their home. And so the word facility is very, and, you know, uh, placement sounds like they're being lurched from their home and taken to an institution. And the home is surrounded by memories. I met this 90 five-year-old woman a few weeks ago at some event at Jerry Friedman's house, and she needed a ride home. 
And, you know, I was with a friend of mine, Wendy, and we just drove her home and she invited us inside. And you should have seen this house. There's like 60, 70 years of memories of parties with Doris Day, thousands of pictures on the walls. It was a house full of memories. And I can imagine it would be kind of hard to to leave that because those memories sort of nourish you. Beyond hard. Um, I have a famous actress who called one day, but she's suffering from depression. She says, well, I, I have my paintings and I have my sculptures and I have all my pictures and my history. But she doesn't have people, and that's the problem. They Mm. go home, and then they isolate. And the one thing that's really, really a problem for seniors is isolation. If they are not getting out and getting together with other seniors, as long as they're active and keep on going. Like I have a mother who's, you know, still driving her lime green Prius around San Diego. She's fine. Right. In in that case, the case of the woman I mentioned, uh, she does have an active life, even though she's 95. But... Although she's living alone in the house, all those memories are part of her life. It's not like she stays home all day, and I can see how that would create a certain loneliness. So she's found a way to overcome that loneliness because I can imagine that one of the best advantages of assisted living home is the company. 100%. And there's tons of studies out there that are that are reporting how important it is to have that interaction because the television is by far the worst because we all know what they're doing all day. They're watching the news shows all day long, and we know how damaging that can be. Except for reading the Jewish Journal. Exactly. Apparently that's supposed to be really (laughs) good. They're definitely reading the Jewish Journal. Right. Uh, But I want to also add is that the the, – One thing that they can do, and there's these special companies out there that literally take someone's home, look at all the things they have, and literally put it into and um, reenact the home that they have with all their pictures. They highly recommend that. Bring as many things as you love because people love their things. Yeah, and I can see the trade-off. So on the one hand, they know that they're lonely, but you're going to meet people you don't know. So there's always the fear of the unknown, although you're lonely, and then, and then you have the comfort of your familiar surroundings. So it's probably a really like complicated decision to make. It's, I mean, usually they don't move on their own. I usually say that if I were to meet with a senior by themselves and they'd say, okay, I'll go to the free lunch at the different communities, they love it. They love it that I pick them up and we have a wonderful time together. They but love I, the courtship. But I'm an Uber driver. That, I mean, they will, they'll say, oh, very nice place, but not for me. So go back to that examples you spoke about a few minutes ago where, you know, the person might be doing some damaging things in the house. Which example did you use? They were doing some... Uh, you know, leaving the, leaving the water running. Right. Um, you so know, they call falling. you. Falling, falling of is, course. Is huge. I tell my mother all the time. She lives alone in Montreal. It's my biggest nightmare. She I doesn't know. fall. I remind her all the time. So go back on that. So they call you, you meet the children, and then what happens? So what we do is we figure out what's the best option. I mean, for example, based on, and I always say to children, don't overspend because sometimes the parents are very simple people. The children have a lot more money, so they want them to be in the fanciest place. But the fanciest place doesn't necessarily transfer into what's right for that senior. They may be a little more old world and like, you know, kind of a warmer atmosphere than some of these brand new 
you know, state-of-the-art communities. So, is that premature, though, if the, if the mother or the father does not want to go into a home? Is that conversation premature? The truth is when they don't want to go into a home, there is absolutely zero that the family can do. If they do not want to, unless they do all sorts of legal things like go to an attorney and get and that she, you know, she or mom or dad cannot uh, live on their own and they're a danger to themselves and they have to take conservatorship and that's mm. a whole lawsuit. Did it's, you have any situations where you had to do an intervention with the children, you know, short of anything legal, where you try to do an intervention with the children to try to persuade the person to... Well, it's interesting. Just this last week, this woman, I took her as well as um, a couple of her friends to a community because the family has thrown their hands up in the air and can't get her to do anything. And she is in dire need. She should be you know, Mm -hmm. in either a community or have full-time care in her home. I mean, you can imagine... We have a hard time remembering to take our own medications, just, you know, we're with it. But seniors, you know, you can only imagine, are they taking their medications on time? I mean, uh, showering and then the food items that they might have in their refrigerator, you can only imagine, you know, they're not looking at expiration dates and all that kind of stuff. So in this case, I wrote to the family, some kids don't care. I mean, some kids don't have, I'm sorry to be, you know, that blunt, but, you know, kids either really care and most do. Or there's some that just say, we've tried, and there's nothing we can do. And honestly, you just wait for something unfortunate to happen. Either she has a bad fall, breaks her hip, uh, something happens um, in the home, and then she goes to the hospital, then to rehab. And then from rehab, it's much easier, actually, to then transfer her to a community. It's not the—it would be great if it was she was more cooperative. So right, you see, it's, right. then it ends up not being a, her decision. And this seems to be a, just a growing issue because people are living so much longer, right? 100%. People, I mean, I have a lady, I think she's now 107 in a community in uh, Sherman Oaks, and I placed her there when she was 104, and I have to tell you, she's still eating in the dining room, walking with a walker, but other than the fact she doesn't see well or hear well, she's still super, super healthy, 107. Wow. That we should do a story on her. I know. She, she's, Seriously. She's quite. She lived in her own Sherman Oaks apartment. I think yeah. she paid like $400 rent when she moved out. She um, did a triathlon last year, you think? <laughs> no. No. But her son is like 88 years old. So it's her grandson who has to like take care of things because her son's so old. Um, so it's, it's weird. I mean, we weren't expected to live that long. Well, let me put you on the spot. There was a major investigative series uh, done by the, some Sacramento paper a few years ago that exposed a lot of fraud and abuse in the whole world of assisted uh, living. Is that something you've come into contact with? So here's the story. Uh, it, everyone immediately, when something happens, something gets stolen, they immediately want to blame the caregiver. It's the housekeeper. It's the caregiver. It's the the uh, community. I mean, I've heard stories where people accuse, 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 and then they find it behind the dresser, the piece of jewelry. What the communities, the better communities, and any decent community will tell the family, do not bring, you know, valuables to the community because then there's not an issue. Um, And when they mean by valuables, now I had a friend who placed her aunt and, you know, when she went to the hospital, things went missing. She thinks it was the community. 
Just hard to say. In the well, what case- about the quality of care? I mean, part of that report saying they overpromise and underdeliver, they overcharged. I mean, it just it just really didn't smell good. Have you come into contact with places that are ill repute that you would never recommend to your clients? Uh, definitely. Uh, I'm one of those that will, if I walk into a and there's also these board and care homes, that which you haven't talked about, but they're actually licensed in the same way, but they're just six-bed six homes that are for the elderly that where they care for them but in a smaller setting. But anyway, I would say to you, yes, there are some that I would walk in, and if I get a bad feeling about the place, whether it's the looks, the smell, the, um, you know, the people, uh, they don't look healthy, they don't look clean, I'm out of there. I'm not going to even think. So those exist, and some of them are so low cost that there's just no way that they can provide the care because mm-hmm. I know kind of the range of where we're at. So to answer your question, some of the finest communities out there promise the world, and you get very angry, upset, you know, clients. Then there's the, you know, mid-range ones that have the same issues. Honestly, I get more complaints from the high-end places than the middle to low-end because maybe they just don't expect so much. They don't have the expectation. Mm -hmm. But the truth is children have to be um, advocates. They have to kind of be on it. You can't drop your mom off, and then that's the same way in hospitals now too. You can't just drop them at the hospital and expect the doctors and nurses to do everything, you have to ask a million questions now. And then you have to hire hospital advocates and all these things because people are not watching. So I would say you need to be your own best advocate and be that resource. You see something wrong, address it. You know, there's got to be a name, Sandra, for this phenomenon of having children who they might be in their late 40s and they married late and they have kids in day school, and they have a, an elderly parent. Yep. And they're like stuck between the two. On the one hand, they gotta raise their kids and go to the PTA meetings, and on the other hand, they still have to take care of their elderly parent and maybe put them in a home if need be and so forth. It's gotta be a name for that kind of phenomenon. Yeah. It's there. Yeah, there is a name, and what? it's called the Sandwich Generation. Oh, I didn't know that. It's called the Sandwich. You just hit on a major, major issue because obviously we're getting married later in life, and people are freezing their eggs, and they're having babies in their 40s and through infertility. So absolutely. Uh, this is something I see all the time, and the worst part is is they don't have the time for their elderly parent because they have very young children, and that is an issue. Um, I was listening to a podcast today, and the one thing that I will say is children sometimes have an unrealistic expectation of their elderly parent. Like, for example, you said, you know, you talk to your mom every day, and you, you know, did you— Walk around the block today. Did you, you know, get your exercise? Are you visiting with so-and-so? Are you holding the railing is my number one question before we talk about food. Okay, so are you holding the railing? I mean, and we're micromanaging them, you know, and the truth is they don't really love it. Uh, They don't want to be micromanaged, but, you know, we're worried about them. I'm always wanting my mother who's super social. But the truth is sometimes they get to a point where... They don't want to go out as much. They they're kind of enjoy being in their own home, and they don't have that desire. But children have this unrealistic because they, they're sad and uh, feeling, you know, 
sad to see their parent kind of decline. It's just it's always difficult. So you see them kind of getting old and you don't want to. So this podcast was really funny. This lady says, uh, daughter tells the social worker, I want, you know, my mom to exercise five days a week. And the mom's, you know, walking with a walker. She's got back issues. She's got all these issues. So she said, mom, you know, what, what do you want? And she goes, she thinks about it. And then all of a sudden she goes, I'd like to go to the movies. <laughs> I mean, that's a perfect, you know, example. We have all these. And then that's the other thing. Kids want their parents to be in the most lavish, fanciest place because there's guilt involved. There's uh, siblings. And then that brings up a whole other thing because there's siblings. Some have the money, but they have no time. Some have tons of time, but right. they don't can't contribute any money. Uh, but I, I was thinking with the sandwich generation that they're so caught up and consumed with raising the kids that they might not have the time to give company to their elderly parents. They don't. But, you know, they always said there should be a nursery school across the street from an assisted living. So involving your children, your little children in visiting. Uh, when my kids were younger, going to Jewish day school, uh, we used to go and you know, have sing-alongs and visit all the senior living communities during the Hanukkah holidays. And um, it meant the most to them. So I would say try to involve your kids once you get your mom or dad settled to where they are and make sure you bring the kids over with you. And if they go to a community, kids love visiting the communities. I used to do that. Every Friday I would take my kids. They would Remember, Shani? They would sing Shabbat songs every Friday afternoon. This big, big van. It's my van days. Uh, what I find is, I don't know why I've been thinking about, you know, for the past few years, I've al- I always think about loneliness. And I have this, this image of, you know, thousands of lonely grandparents, maybe some of them living alone in some little apartment. And they get, you know, a few phone calls once a week from their children living in Boston or San Francisco. And they run to the phone and pick it up and watch a lot of TV and have two or three meetings a week whether it's at the bridge club or what have you, but, you know, 80 to 90% of their lives are really, really lonely. And then what do we, you know, it's loneliness. This is deeper than just a physical problem yes. of, you know, where you're, you're breaking your hip and, you know, you're getting Alzheimer. These are fully functional elderly who are just lonely. And I've met a few of them. And you could not be hitting on it. We've talked about this several times, and I could not agree with you more. Uh, I think they're an ignored group. Um, I feel like we focus a lot on little kids because they're so cute and, you know, feisty and running around and, you know, going to helping in these children's centers. But I will tell you, you've hit on a major topic. I feel that uh, there's so much richness that an elderly person has. One of the great reasons I'm also in this is I love their stories. And I write a a newsletter um, almost every month, and I try to share the stories of some of them. I mean, they have, like, amazing backgrounds and, you know, how they cook things, how did they, you know, live, what kinds of experiences they had, and what was their successful 70-year marriage, which, you know, doesn't exist anymore as much. Um, So it's it's still an area. They, they light up. They light when, when up. When you ask him, I remember when my father was, you know, he had caught a stroke and uh, went to visit him in Montreal, and you can feel he was down. And everybody around him just wanted to, you know, give him the medication, glass of water, whatever you need. Everybody was taking care of him, right? And I noticed he was really down, and you know, I was filming him and talking to him, and you know, I noticed when I uh, I saw my my nephew was 
next to me, and my father was really good at math. He was a math teacher, and he loved math problems. So my and out of the blue, I just asked him in French, you know, c'est quoi la racine de 121? You know, what's the square root of 121, right? I just started playing games and asking him questions. His face lit up because, you know, we were asking him questions. I think what happens, the older you get, the less needed you feel. So here you have, a, you know, a very strong person who raised a family, and now he's in his 80s, and he's not as needed anymore. And there's something about making them feel needed, whether it's by asking him to tell stories or sharing their wisdom or, you know, a math problem. You know, you know, David, it's that is so true. And I wish more people were like you and your family because now I'm blushing. Uh, what? Now I'm blushing. I know. Well, yeah. I will tell you, that's the ultimate mitzvah, what you what you've done and what you did for your dad there. Um I will have to say to you, my mother, like, for example, is, thank goodness, still pretty active, but she's known for certain things. She makes the Afghan for all the colleges they go to. Then when they move into their first apartment, she puts in all the, what do you call it, the paper or on uh, the cabinets. You know what I mean? The She lines all the cabinets. So, I mean, she's known for certain things. Oh, and certain ways in which she cooks. I mean, and my kids love it, but I have to say, they all go on with their lives and I'm focused on it, and I'm very focused with my kids on it, and we visit and talk to my mom all the time. But I have to say, so many people miss out. Uh, they focus on either the negative sides to growing up. I mean, we all had missions. And how can I take care of you, Mommy? i got to take care of you. i got to give you this and give you that. We have a friend of ours, Edna Weiss. She's like, I don't know, I think 98, 99. She's, she comes to our house for Shabbat, and it's amazing. We you know, always ask her to tell stories. And they, they come to life when you ask them for stories. So it's not just about giving to them. It's about giving them a chance to give. And they really come to life totally. when they share stories. Don't you find totally. that? Totally. I mean, I, I just I think there's just a whole missing link there. I always tell people if you're having a bad day, just take one little loop through a skilled nursing facility in Los Angeles. One loop, because it's usually in a C or a U, and you start at one side and go around. When you get out, I assure you, you'll be feeling better because the sadness that, and I don't know, I can't explain it. I don't know, you know, I can't change the world, but, you know, our government didn't realize that these people are going to all live to, and run out of their money. And, you know, you go to a skilled nursing, that's all you have. You're on Medi-Cal, et cetera. I mean, there's just not, not that many good options for people that really don't have it. And it's, there still isn't, there still is not. And it's just really unfortunate. So we're dealing with so many levels here, you know, on the one hand, you have the emotional component of loneliness, you have the financial issue, which is huge. And you have the psychological and the familial, it's like uh, the cultural, there's so many different layers to this, to this problem. I often wonder, going back to the emotional one, because I lean there, if uh, schools should do more of a sort of a connection where they can invite the elderly to share their wisdom with the kids. Uh, have you seen some of that? Though? Yeah, actually, I've done it with, um, I can't think of her name, but it's Janice, Janice Kemener's. Oh, Resnick. Resnick. Yeah. Her mother is like a rock star at the Jewish home in the Valley. I mean, oh, no, she actually lives on her own. Never mind. She doesn't live in a community. But her mother is amazing if you want to enter. In, like mother, in, like daughter. Yes, exactly. And her and Janice's daughter is actually a um, 
a social worker, and she's a geriatric care manager. So there's been that love. But I spoke with her mother at Milken to a group of kids at Milken, and it's shocking how good of questions they ask. And then Milken, we started at the middle school a visitation to the different senior living communities there. And it's a program that's still going on. It just, there's more. You need yeah, more. Yeah, so there we make the statement, you're not just victims. You know, especially with Holocaust survivors, we've made such a big deal of treating them like victims, which obviously they are. They're the ultimate victims in Jewish history, but they still have so much to offer, don't they? I, you, you, deal, you deal with Holocaust survivors? Yeah, um, absolutely. Now, that's an interesting, you know, because there's a whole uh, an history there and, you know, small spaces and things like that. I mean, I haven't had a lot of experience with the Holocaust survivors, um, but a lot of actual um, uh, veterans, um, because a lot of them, if they weren't Holocaust survivors, but they were actually in wars, um, and there's like there's a whole history that a community, this one in Los Angeles does, Belmont Village, they actually do a wall of heroes, and they they honor them, and it's really, really lovely. So they, they definitely get that. The Holocaust is, uh, I haven't had as many experiences. Give me with. one of your, before we close, give me one of your best success stories that brings joy to your heart. Wow. Um, okay, so this lovely family came to me, the daughter, big major executive in the banking world. And she said, my father's bipolar and we can't figure out what to do. He likes to go to shul every morning. But, you know, if you're in a community, there's no one really to drive you and get you to where you want to go. He had means. Um, So we started, you know, at a couple of the natural assisted livings, and they all turned him down because he'd had a bipolar issue and he'd had some combative issues. Did he take medication? Yeah, yeah, but still, still wasn't working well, and nobody wanted to take him on. So I know of this one community that actually allows someone to live there with him, um, with, with, the, with the resident. Um, so I actually called them and I said, look, you know, I have this gentleman and I have to tell you, they really thought long and hard about it. And they normally were more accepting, but I said, he's going to bring in a gentleman and we're going to set up a gentleman companion caregiver to live with him there. Full time. Full time, 24 seven. So the nice part is, is the community was not so expensive. So between, I'd worked it out that between the caregiver cost and the community, it was about what one of these better, fancier places were going to be. And I have to tell you two to three years later, I mean, he is living there the gentleman takes him out every morning. They go. He goes to shul. He goes, sits at the coffee shop, does the different things, and it's been a major success. And the family, when they're happy, and I feel like I've kind of, you know, helped people and really figured out a situation for them. Best day ever. I love that. So, do you hear stories about dating within assisted living? Oh, do you, big. Do you get the gossip. Hookups are big. Yeah. Seriously. No, hookups are really big. All right, we're so getting see, you have something R-rated to look forward territory. to. Uh, how do you know about this? Because Shiny, careful. I, I have to tell you, I, I know, I have to tell you, I, I see stories where all of a sudden, you know, someone's lonely and then the daughter calls me and I, I how are things going? And she says, oh, my God, my mom's got a boyfriend now. And how old is she? she 
The mom's like, you know, 94 or whatever. And they are holding hands, walking through the community together, enjoying each other. And then when a woman comes in, or not only that, a man comes in, because obviously we all live a little older than, we live longer than men. Uh, The man comes in. Oh, my God. He can pretty much write Mm. his own ticket. Oh, good. I have something to look forward to. Yes, you do. Um, You know, that 94-year-old woman, she used to be 18. And so I'm sure in her mind, she still remembers when she was 18. Oh, and how cool is that? I mean, how cool is it to be able to have that companionship in a community? The Jewish home, I mean, several of them have a lot of good, great stories to tell about that. Um, it's really, it's it's very positive. And I guess I will leave with the fact that these communities oh, now... Oh, no, you don't leave us now. Now that you start into hookups, it's yeah. assisted living homes. We have a whole <laughs> other hour to go because oh, we're very interested in hookups in assisted living homes. All right. Seriously, that's a great story. I, and I'll I'd try like to you. get you a couple and we'll we work it out. We want real stories about that in the Jewish Journal because at the end of the day, we live to be happy. 100%. No matter how, how old we are. And it just, I don't think you could get a better ending to someone's life than to at least have, you know, that kind of wonderful friendship and companionship and be able to enjoy each other at the, you know, toward the end of their lives. Well, I'm a romantic, and romance never dies. Sandra Heller, thank you so much. Uh, Sandra Heller, the name is Compassionate Care Solutions. Compassionate Senior Solutions. Compassionate Senior Solutions. If you have any issues, you think she might help, check her out on the Internet. Compa- companion. Com- compassionate <laughs> Senior Solutions. Compassionate. I should know how to say that word. Compassionate Senior Solutions. Thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure.